0: Hello, greetings, and hi there. This is the Head Speaks podcast, a proud member of the HeadCast family. I am your host, Aaron Moss, also known as Brother Head. Welcome to Head Speaks, where I'll be talking about comics, movies, and recent news items that interest me. Basically, anything that strikes my fancy. Warning: This podcast may not be family-friendly. Head Speaks may contain adult language, adult content, fantasy violence, and nudity. You have been warned. The young, stupid, and easily offended may not want to listen to this headcast. In other words, parental guidance is more than suggested. Now, before we get started today, let's hear a word from a friend of the show. This is where I would normally play an ad or a clip for another podcast or some other product. Right now, as this is my first episode, I don't have anything. So, while I normally play an ad or something, I'm going to recommend podcasts that I enjoy. The first podcast I'm going to recommend, besides my own of course, is the Fire and Water Podcast. It can be found on iTunes. Also on Facebook and Google Plus, you look for Firestorm Fan or the Aquaman Shrine. Their websites are fireandwaterpodcast.blogspot.com There's also firestormfan.com and theaquamanshrine.net I'll have links on my website for all three of these. Uh, The Fire and Water podcast talks about one of the greatest heroes ever, Firestorm. Personally, him and the Atom are my top two favorite heroes. This podcast talks about Firestorm. The water portion of it refers to Aquaman, of course. Uh, Shag Matthews is currently reviewing the old Firestorm series from the 80s, since his current book has been canceled. He started on the first issue, and he's going through each issue in order. I believe he's up to issue 11 right now. Uh, Then Rob Kelly, his partner, talks about and reviews the current Aquaman series. Again, he started with Issue 1, and he's currently up to Issue 31 or so. Uh, They also have another podcast they do that's a part of their Fire and Water podcast called Who's Who in the DCU. This podcast is dedicated to going over each issue of DC Comics' Who's Who comics from the late 80s and early 90s. They plan on covering the entire 26- or 28-issue run of Who's Who, the two-update series they had, plus the loose-leaf binders they had, plus Who's Who in the Legion, Star Trek, and whatever else Who's Who the DC's pet out. It's like their 35-year admission or something. If you're a fan of DC Comics, or just good comics in general, I recommend you check out their podcast. Now, before we go any further, uh, let's go ahead and we give my thanks. First, I want to thank Kevin Smith, In May of 2013, I went to the screening of Jay and Silent Bob's groovy cartoon movie with my friend Sue Sturgeon and her husband and their son. At that time, they were also taping an episode of Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. For the record, it was episode 123. While Kevin Smith was talking, he gave us all a homework assignment. I'm going to go ahead and play that clip for you right now.
1: Thanks for waiting. You guys are so sweet. Before we do that, before we jump into the body of the show, quick shout-outs. For cats who are... I I love when fucking... You you make some art and then it inspires somebody. They make some cool fucking art. That keeps the wheel turning, man. I I try to say it in every podcast. I'll do a short version of it in this one. You got one assignment when you leave here tonight. You got a year to do it. Don't think of it as work. Think of it as just something fun worth doing. Think of it as like a new sex thing, man, where you're like, Oh, I never thought of putting it there. Go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead. Just something new, just something to try, something uh, that uh, anybody in this room could do because all it requires is that you speak. Go record a podcast at one point or another. See what this is? It's so fucking simple, so easy. We just sit around and talk to each other and whatnot. In this case, we talk to you guys as well. But it's, as much as it's fun to, to listen to, I guess, it is way more fun to do, man. So anybody could do this in the age of podcasting right now. No regulation, man. There's nobody saying, now wait a second, you don't have a license. There's nobody saying you gotta pay to do this. There's nobody saying you can't say this. There's nobody saying that's too boring, that nobody would want to listen to that. It is the wild, wild west, man. It is like fucking... Did you ever see that movie Far and Away? Where at the end of the movie they're all racing for fucking land? That's what podcasting is right now. Everybody racing for a piece of their own media and shit. So a lot of people sit there and go, "I don't like to talk. I'm not a front person. I don't think I don't think like you. I don't want to be in front of people and blah blah blah." You don't have to, man. Podcast doesn't require you get up on stage. You sit down with your friends. You sit down with somebody you like. You sit down with your mom. You sit down with your f- fucking bus- best buddies. You talk about sports. You talk about movies. You talk about sex. You talk about drugs. You talk about fucking uh, yarn knitting, cats, whatever the fuck you want to talk about. And just try it, man. If if you're here, you've heard the podcast, or you're probably going to listen to the podcast when it gets published. Um, imagine doing that yourself, and you can. We don't have any special abilities. Recording a podcast just requires one of these, a fucking smartphone, and everybody's got one of those now, or maybe a laptop and stuff. You press record on a, on a program like Audacity, download Audacity and use that, and just start fucking talking, man. Nobody is saying no right now. Like every other media, sooner or later, somebody will figure out how to regulate it, charge for it, and tell you no, and stop you from getting your fucking piece and expressing yourself, and they'll tell you sit there and fucking be entertained and pay money to do so because that's all people care about in this world is getting every fucking last nickel out of you. This podcasting thing enables you, allows you to express yourself without anybody trying to earn off it at this point. It's real free it's real easy to do man. Go give it a fucking shot. It takes years off your life. It's fun as fucking fuck. I sat down, did one with my mother. I fed her some weed cake and shit like that and I was just like what was it like to blow dad? You know it was great man. And I'll always have that. You know, I won't always have my mother. One day she's going to be gone, but I'll always have that wonderful conversation that we had over the course of the podcast. So anybody can be an artist man like it was great to sit in the audience for years and years and whatnot but now the line is completely bird blurred, uh, blurred it's it's great to be entertained but you can go be entertaining as well flip the switch try it it's fun just like when you're a kid and pretend man that's there's a reason we get did it when we were kids they didn't make us play they made us do the schoolwork the play just gets beat out of you you got to find it again later in life man and keep you young sometimes we get too wrapped up in life and how we got to do, be here, get here, get to a certain place, make money. You got to remember to have fun. Talking is the easiest fucking fun you could have. Go find your friend uh, you haven't seen in a while, or I feel like fucking Bill Murray at the end of Scrooge. Go find an old friend and say, here, you know, but just sit down, record one. You got a whole year to do it, man. Just see if you like it. Like I meet so many people who just try it and now they're on episode 50 100 man it's a great time to get into it and even if you never thought you'd be into that kind of thing sky's the limit reach for it the only reason i bring that up is because sometimes your art inspires somebody else's art
0: as you can tell he's really big on podcasting right now he's does, says basically the same thing every episode of jay and silent bob gets old plus it's come up on some of his other podcasts but i'm starting to digress a little bit uh, kevin challenged us to do a podcast as you heard so here's mine I know he said you had the next year to do it, but as usual, I am a little late. By about a month. But in my defense, in his later podcasts, he's changed to two years. So, I'm doing fine there. <laughs> Alright, anyways, I hope you all enjoy this. Also, I was influenced by two other podcasts. The first is the Fire and Water Podcast, which I mentioned earlier. This is a podcast by Shag Matthews and Rob Kelly, where they talk about Firestorm, who happens to be one of my two favorite heroes, as I mentioned earlier and some other guy that talks to fish. Yeah, I'm talking about Aquaman. Uh, I was also influenced by From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, where the two hosts, Michael Bailey and Jeffrey Taylor, talk about John Byrne's rebooted Superman from 1986 until about 2006 or so, when DC started making it. Eh, not so good. That's another story. Uh, If you're a fan of Superman, I definitely recommend checking out that podcast. But for now... Let's get back to my show, because, you know, it's all about me. First, since this is my inaugural episode, let me tell you a bit about myself. My name is Aaron Moss. My friends, they call me Head or Brotherhead. I'm married with 3.1 kids. Yes, .1. Just found out that the missus is carrying my fourth child. I've got two boys from a previous marriage. They're 21 and 20. And then I have a six-year-old daughter with my currently impregnated spouse. I work at the IRS, normally as a tax examiner for 1040Xs or amended returns. Previously, I spent 12 years working in a call center for internet technical support until they closed our local office down. I'm into comics, reading, comics, movies, comics, TV, comics, role-playing, offending people. Oh, and did I mention I'm into reading comics? About the only t-shirts I wear nowadays are comic book t-shirts. Now... A little bit about HeadCast. HeadSpeaks will be a bi-weekly to a monthly po- HeadCast. Depends on the, my mood and how often I can record. HeadSpeaks will be where I talk about comic books, movies, things that annoy the hell out of me, things I enjoy, and basically everything Head-related. Where does the name Head come from, you may be asking yourself? Well, growing up, I was very forgetful. Hell, I still am to this day. Anywho, my friends started calling me Airhead. You know, Way to go, Airhead, or did you forget that again, Airhead? Being lazy bastiches, they eventually shortened it down to just Head. Way to go, Head. Heard that all the time. Within a short period of time, Head became my nickname. Also, I went by Brother Head, because me and my friends were so close, we were like brothers. And I think I'm part black. Well, at least the part of me that loves fried Chicken, Cornbread, and Waterman does. The part of me that I think is part black is my upper left chest up by my shoulder. Unfortunately, it's not the part that I wish was black. You know what I'm saying. Y- yeah, down there. That's more Chinese. But anyways. So, sorry Rob. It's not a MODOK headcast. While I do enjoy MODOK as much as the next guy, I don't enjoy him enough to have a headcast about him. And for those that don't know what I'm talking about, MODOK is a Marvel villain who's basically a giant floating head that's a supervillain. Uh, In addition to Head Speaks, I also have another headcast entitled Task Force X, where I'll be covering DC Comics, Suicide Squad, and Checkmate from the late 80s and into the 90s. If you're a fan of good comics, I recommend checking out that headcast. Please keep in mind that I am an intelligent adult, and as such, I don't feel the need to limit my use of words. Uh, There may be some foul language used on this show, such as fuck, shit, goddamn, piss, whatever I feel like. Or there may not. It all depends on my mood. As far as this show, until I change my mind, shows can be laid out in the following format. Probably the first section I'll be starting with is something called Things That Pissed Me Off by Herschel H.M. and This section will be where I rant about anything that's pissing me off. It can be drivers on the road, illegal immigrants, politicians, crap on TV, celebrity news, etc. Anything I see that annoys me will be open game for this section. A little background behind the scenes about this. First, the titles from old skits me and my buddy Dean Cole used to do. As a teenager, me and my buddies, most specifically my best friend Dean, used to borrow my mom's video camera until I finally got my own. Uh, And we'd do little skits and parodies and what have you. In the last 30 years, a lot of our tapes have unfortunately vanished. So I don't have access to them, but there was some funny stuff as far as we were concerned. One of these skits, I had a character called Herschel H. Hemingway who would come on and rant and rave about whatever was pissing him off that week. I think I may bring Herschel out of retirement and use him in this segment. As for most of my news, I get it from Fark.com, Facebook, which I tend to verify with snoops and other, you know, just looking online. And for celebrity information, it usually comes from either the uh, e-television show The Soup or another great podcast, Hollywood Babylon, with Ralph Garman and Kevin Smith. I can't recommend that podcast enough. It's fantastic. Anyways, next I'll follow that up with At The Movies With Head. This segment I'll talk about TV shows or movies or something I've seen that I really like. Something I want to talk about. Maybe I'll review a new movie, maybe an old one I have on Blu-ray or DVD, or a TV show. We'll see where the wind carries us. Next will be Head's Bookshelf, which, as it sounds, I'll talk about any books that I want to bring interest to. And since I like comics... As I've said previously, I'll have a feature called What's in Head's Long Box, where I review and talk about either a comic book, a graphic novel, or a series that I like. <clears throat> then we'll have Where's Head Going, where I'll talk about any website that I like or annoys the hell out of me or something along those lines. Uh, finally, there will be Talking Head, which will be a listener mailbag time, and I'll read any comments submitted by you, yes, you, the listener. I may not have every segment in every show. Again, it is my show. I'll run how I want. Uh, I'll probably end up playing the. Sh- I'll probably end up the show playing a song that I like or that speaks to me, until the RIAA makes me stop. Because God forbid someone plays a song somewhere and someone else doesn't get the money from it, even though it does give them some free publicity. Of course, I guess if they do want me to pay them for or charge me for playing their songs, I guess I could send them a bill for advertising. Hmm. I'll have to look into that. Anywho, finally, this will be a solo headcast. Me, myself, and I doing it, alright? I may have the occasional guest on, though. Depends on which random stranger I can drag in off the streets or out of my basement. So, having said all that, the introduction's done, you know who I am, you know what my game is. Let's go and get started. First, we're going to have my first segments, and let me introduce my alter ego, Herschel H. Hemingway. Come on out, Herschel. Hi everybody. This is Herschel H. Hemingway. The H stands for head. I'm here to let you know about the stupid shit out there in the world that you may not be aware of. Some people say that that I don't like anything and all I do is yell and cuss. Well, I say screw them. I'm here to tell you people like it is. If you don't agree with me, that's fine. Just realize that you are wrong. Today, I'm here to talk to you about reality TV. First name itself is just wrong. Reality. Bullshit. Anytime you hit a camera in some asshole's face, you lose all sense of reality. I've heard it called an unscripted television. That's a little closer, but there, while well, there is no script, you know that shit is heavily edited and people are told to act a certain way. Just things to help out their ratings. Why? Because suckers out there eat that crap up. If morons weren't watching Fuck Tape star Kim Kardashian and her moronic, moronic sisters, or The Bachelor, or any of that other stupid ass shit, the networks wouldn't play it. It's gotten so bad that MTV hardly plays any music anymore. They should rename their station to CTV, Crap Television. Between the Teen Moms and all the other crap they play, they lost all credibility. If you're going to have a specific network, you should keep your mission statement in mind. That's like if BET started playing movies with only white folk. Of course, that's another rant. Black Entertainment Television. If I started a network called WET, White Entertainment, or CTV, Cracker TV, You know that Sharpton and all these other racist assholes would be spouting off their hate-monger speech towards me. But since it's the poor black folk doing it, that's just fine. Let's give them a pass to be as racist and prejudiced as they want. Why? I've never done nothing to no black person. i never had a slave. But since others have, I have to deal with the repercussions of it. Sounds fucking fair to me, I guess. But this is changed to another rant for another time. Back to our crap TV. Look at the crap like Honey Boo Boo. Who in their right fucking mind enjoys watching that train wreck of reality? Both Honey Boo Boo and her mom, Yoi just ate a bear, needs to be taken out back behind the woodshed and pet down like the lame animals they are. No, I'm serious. If you had an animal that was fucking retarded as this family, you would pet that animal down for its own good. Petting this family down is good for the rest of us, as well as the gene pool. At the bare minimum, people should have a little taste and not watch the crap. Seriously, people, wake up and look at the crap on your television. If there is any sort of alien life out there and they check our satellite signals, they are definitely not going to ask us to join their federation or republic or whatever else they got going on. Hell, I want to move off the planet myself. When I see ads for these stupid-ass shows, I can feel my IQ dropping. Well, anyways, if you mooks aren't going to listen to me, you deserve the crap your networks feed you. That's it for me this week. Remember, I am Herschel H. Hemingway. The Voice of Reason. Thank you for that little Rand Hirsch. Please feel free to come back anytime. Now that we have had that out of the way, let's move on to At The Movies With Head. This week, I'm going to talk about Arrow. Arrow is a CW TV show based on DC Comics' Green Arrow. Arrow follows the exploits of Oliver Queen. Oliver was trapped on an island for five years. When he came back, he had a little black book of a list of names of people that were destroying his city. Starling City. In the comics, he's from Star City one of the little changes the show's made. I've heard some people complain about the acting in the show, and I have to agree, it can be a little hammy at times, especially the first season. I can improve some in the second season. But having said that, I wholeheartedly suggest you at least check this show out. Check either Netflix or Hulu Plus for it. I want to review the two-part mid-season finale from back in December. Before I start my recap of the episode, let me give you a little background information. The Flash is one of my favorite heroes. He's in the top five of heroes, but the top one of the well-known, what you would call popular heroes. Now you may be asking yourself, why am I mentioning The Flash when I already said I'm reviewing Arrow? Well, my friend, I'll tell you. I read online at the beginning of the previous season that their goal was to introduce Barry Allen, a.k.a. The Flash, about midway through the season, which would be a backdoor to his own CW TV show. The Flash, getting a TV show. (laughs) Let me tell you, I was very ecstatic. The only way I would have been happier if they would have said they were introducing Firestorm or the Atom, who are actually my favorite heroes. But back to Arrow. At the end of the season, I'm oh, sorry, at the end of the episode, preceding the two-part finale, they had a preview of the next episode. And the thing I remember most is the words that flash across the screen. Across the screen of flashes, everything changes. They show a scene, then they says, in a flash. And the word flash was written in red, kind of like the Flash's color scheme. Then they showed this young man introducing himself said, hi, I'm Barry Allen. I started Googling like a little schoolgirl at that. My son thought it was funny, but kind of odd. Anywho, they were finally bringing in The Flash. Yes, after 20 years, he's back on TV. Let's do this. So, on to my recap of the episode, then I'll give you a review of it. It was episode 8 and episode 9. Episode 8 was part 1 called The Scientist. Episode 9 was part 2 called Three Ghosts. They aired December 4th. And December 11th of 2013. Arrow stars Stephen Amell as Oliver Queen, aka Arrow. Katie Cassidy as Laurel Lance. David Ramsey as John Diggle. Willa Holland as Thea Queen. Emily Beckett-Rickard as Felicity Smoke. Uh, this character, Felicity Smoke, originated originated more or less in Firestorm. Uh, more on that possibly later. Colton Haynes is Roy Harper who in the comics becomes Green Arrow's sidekick, Speedy. Uh, Manu Bennett as Slade Wilson, a.k.a. Deathstroke. Susanna Thompson as Maura Queen. Paul Blackthorne as Quentin Lance. Kevin Hallorandro as Sebastian Blood, a.k.a. Brother Blood. Selena Jade as Shadow. Katie Lultz as Sarah Lance, a.k.a. Black Canary. Summer Glau as Isabel Roche. And finally but not least of all, Grant Gustin as Barry Allen. Now a quick recap. A seemingly impossible robbery at Queen Consolidated's Applied Science Division brings Central City Police Scientist Barry Allen to town. Citing a similar case back home, Barry offers to help Oliver and his team with the investigation. Oliver senses there's more to Barry than meets the eye, but he's distracted by the similarities between this current case and something that happened on the island. Meanwhile, Felicity takes a liking to Barry which doesn't go unnoticed by Oliver. Sin asks Roy for help when a friend of hers goes missing. Roy is surprised when Thea not only encourages them to help, but joins the search. Unfortunately, Sin's friend is connected to Brother Blood, and their search ultimately gets one of them seriously injured. Now, my thoughts on the actual episode. The episode starts out with a long shot of the city and thunder in the background. kind of reminds me of the old Flash TV series from the 90s. I giggled. Uh some unknown super strong person's breaking into a storage facility. Uh, then they cut to Felicity talking with Oliver Queen's mother, Mora and Felicity makes a joke, a prison joke to her. Well, I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, Kate, haven't been falling. Mara Queen just got out of jail for, uh, then to the last season, her and another person tried to destroy the narrows, like the slums of the city. And she, that whole thing's finally over with, uh, Oliver was bringing his mother to the company to the displeasure of his new partner, Isabel Roche, who's played by Summer Gallo. I'm probably mispronouncing her name, but that's all right. Uh, We then cut to to a man getting off a train, apparently running late. Oliver Queen, his people, and the police are at the scene of the crime from earlier trying to figure out what was stolen and who did it. Uh, The video they can find only shows one person coming into the place. Then the man from a few minutes ago, that's running late, shows up. Barry Allen, Central City Crime Scene Investigation Unit. He tells the group that he thinks it's only one person committing the crime. Barry said it looks like a large centrifuge was t- stolen. Barry talks to the group. Him and Felicity appear to be hitting it off. At this point, I'm liking when I see a Barry Allen. I think uh, Grant's doing a good job at it, and I can't wait to see more. Officer Lance tells Felicity that they need to bring their mutual friend into this. Mutual friend, of course, being Arrow. Officer Lance doesn't know who uh, Arrow really is, while Felicity does. She tells him that he's already on it. We do a flashback to the island, which the show's full of, where we see Oliver, Sarah, Shadow, and Deathstroke are crossing the island looking for a cure for some injuries that Slade had suffered earlier. Back in present, Diggle lets Oliver know that the centrifuge was the only thing missing. Uh, Felicity shows Oliver a video of one man picking the centrifuge up and loading it onto a truck all by himself, showing that he's super strong. Uh, Barry comes to Oliver's office to start setting up to assist him to find the stolen centrifuge. He tells him that he's cleared it with his captain and it's all right. Uh, Felicity convinces Oliver that they need Barry's help to find the centrifuge because Oliver's a little hesitant about having someone else join their little group. Uh, Meanwhile, Oliver wants to throw a party to help people forget about the bad things that his mama did. Like like I said earlier, helping destroy the Narrows. uh, Their ghetto, if you will. Uh, Barry and Felicity are investigating the crime scene from earlier. Well, Barry's investigating and Felicity's investigating Barry, if you know what I mean. Uh, Barry, meanwhile, has a fascination with the Arrow. He's like a fanboy. He thinks the Arrow trained in a jungle setting, which is why he dresses in green. He also tells Felicity that he the arrow should switch to his arrows for a better penetration, which Felicity comments that he penetrates just fine. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. Barry thinks Oliver, try that again. Barry thinks Arrow has partners helping him out, especially someone with computer skills. Hmm, like Felicity? but he doesn't know that yet. Barry then gives his backstory about how his mom was murdered when he was younger and the murder was never caught. He says all he remembers is that there was a flash of lightning and a whirlwind is what killed her which ties in of current comics continuity, where his ba- Barry's mom was murdered and his dad was convicted falsely of the crime. Uh, Barry said that his mom's killer was never caught, but if the arrow was around at that time, maybe the killer would have been caught. We do a little subplot with uh, Roy and his gr- his friend Sin. Basically, it's Roy's progression to a superhero. I'm not going to touch much on that. Uh, Malcolm shows up to talk with Mara. Malcolm Merlin... Malcolm Merlin is uh, her partner that helped destroy the Narrows. He's also uh, an archer himself and the, the, one of the primary villains. Uh, Malcolm talks to Mara about how he's actually Thea's dad, Thea being Oliver Queen's sister and that how he left, Malcolm left to go to Nada Prabhat which is big in the comics especially right now especially things of mystic types like Dead Man and the Renee Montoya question uh, from the old continuity. But that's another story. Uh, Malcolm wants Maura to tell Thea who, his da- who her dad really is. But Maura's kind of hesitant about, you know, telling uh, her daughter that, you know, she slept around on her father and this bad guy is actually her dad. Barry discovered some sugar substance in the killer's footprints and they found a sugar truck was stolen. Ha ha. Way to go, Barry. Oliver asks Diggle to look into the bear, look into Barry as he's hiding something and he knows about hiding stuff. So he's asking Diggle to look into someone that's might be hiding something. Isn't that irony? Uh, We cut to Oliver as the arrow chasing the stolen sugar truck for the masked driver, the little fight, fight, run, run, well, drive, drive, Oliver goes through the truck's windshield as you would expect. And the driver pushes them out the passenger side door, knocking the door off in the process. We cut back to Oliver at the Arrow Cave getting stitched up. He admits that he says someone with strength like a thief. He says he he says that he saw someone with strength like the thief. He tells how Dr. Ivo came to the island to experiment on people. Then says Ivo and everyone experimented is dead. He told him he burned it all to the ground. The, the experiment can't be around. Uh, Oliver gives Felicity an arrow with some of the driver's blood on it. Felicity says that she prefers when she leaves when he. Try that again. Felicity says that she prefers when Oliver leaves the arrows in people. He wants her to use that blood to figure out how the chemical is being made. She goes off with Barry to have him analyze it. Diggle then tells Oliver that Barry isn't who he says he is. Then. Da, 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 flashback. Oliver finds the boat from Lost. Well, okay. It's not the boat from Lost, but it's a boat in the middle of an island. At least this one has water. Or some sort of lake around it. Barry then starts sorting through Felicity's chemicals. We're back in present day. Barry starts sorting through Felicity's chemicals with lightning flashing in the background. Again, as a Flash fan, I giggled as this touches on Barry's comic book origin. Felicity then asks Barry to be her plus one for Oliver's party. Barry makes a comment how he hopes there not dancing as he's not good on his feet. I love these little comments. Must be the 10-year-old in me. Roy's subplot continues with him looking for his missing friend. This ties into the Brother Blood plotline, which I'm, again, not getting into. Uh, We show Brother Blood standing in front of a fridge full of blood. We cut back to Barry watching a news report about Star Labs going to turn on a particle accelerator. Oliver shows up to the party. I'm sorry. Oliver shows up at the uh, lab and says he knows that Barry's only an assistant, and that his boss doesn't know he's in Central City. Oliver also says that Barry's dad killed his mom, supposedly. Barry admits that he, that's what the people think, but he thinks someone else killed his mom. Again, lining him up with the new 52 origin in the comics. He says that Blur killed his mom with a person in the center of it. No one believed him. That's why he's looking at these odd cases to try to find a reason to try to find the person who killed his mom. Myself, I'm thinking this is a reference to Professor Zoom who, again, I believe in this current continuity, killed Barry's mom and previously in the old stories killed his wife and tried to kill his second fiance. Barry walks out and Flissy goes to Ollie, saying that they're doing the same thing Barry is, lying about what they're doing just to carry out their own agenda. So he's being kind of, you know, two-faced about that. Back at Ollie's party, we see there are very few guests. People don't want to associate with someone accused of killing thousands of of people. Oliver asks Felicity for a dance. She's upset with him. She says she doesn't want to dance with him. Then he says, well, that's why I invited him. Cut to Barry Allen. Yeah, Barry. Barry tells Felicity he was serious about not being able to dance. They start doing a little dance. Another flashback to the island. Oliver's group gets on the boat looking for a drug to save Slade's life. They find the drug, but they need a sedative. Otherwise, Slade might die. They're able to find a sedative. About this time, they hear Ival's people boarding the boat. Back to the touching little one with Ollie. Mommy insists. Moira doesn't tell Theo the truth once again. Uh, We cut to Barry on the phone with his boss, getting reamed. Barry's being told to head back to Central City. Otherwise, he's going to lose his job. We get a little touching little bye between Barry and Felicity. They stop shy of just kissing. Though you can see on her face that she really wants to. Uh, again, we go back to Roy's subplot where they find his friend's OD'd body who is bleeding from the eyes. Using Barry's info, they find that Argus, again another nod to the comic, it's a, a group that deals with superhumans, uh, Argus has the drugs the thief took. Felicity is worried that all these arrows won't stop the guy as his skin is so dense. Once again, Flashback to the island. Oliver gives Slade the injection with his permission, even though they don't have any sort of uh, anything to help. What uh, whatever I call it earlier? They need to use to. Uh, why can't I think of it? Um. There we go. Sedative. Sorry about that. So, uh, Slade realizes that you know they don't have the sedative. That's fine. Give him the injection. Slade gets injected. He starts crying out in pain. Cut back to Roy talking with Arrow. Roy gets mad at the Arrow for not telling him what's going on and threatens to look into matters further on his own. Ollie shoots Roy in the leg with an arrow to stop him. Again, Roy doesn't know at this point who Arrow really is. So Arrow shoots Roy in the leg to stop him from going off on his own. We cut back to Malcolm breaking into the Queen's house, trying to talk to his daughter. Moriah threatens him with the name Razagul who, if you're, you've watched the last three Batman movies, or if you're a comic book fan, you know who Ra's al is. He's the, uh, what is that, blood of the demon? Or, I'm sorry, head of the demon. A uh, big Bat- Batman villain. It appears that Ra's wants to kill Malcolm for the undertaking, which is what they called them destroying the Narrows. Uh, as Malcolm leaves, he makes the standard supervillain threat. It's not over yet. Oliver fights the thief who I'm going to tell you now is this world's version of Solomon Grundy. Uh, his name's uh, Gold. Uh, he knocks Oliver into a rack of, and leaves. And Oliver looks over and there's a needle with the chemical stuck in his leg. Once again, we do a flashback of Slade screaming, blood pouring out of his eyes, and then he dies, in quotes. As Oliver and the girls mourn his death, our men break in. Back to the present... Felicity and Diggle find Oliver near death. Diggle wants to call 911, but Felicity has another idea. Cut to Barry at the train station, having just missed the last train for the night. Again, typical Barry Allen. He sits down on the bench and suddenly gets tranked. Wakes up in the arrow cave with a near-death Ollie and Felicity asking him to save her friend. To be continued. Dun-dun-dun. And then we move into episode nine. Uh, Again, overall recap of that last episode, episode eight. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I I love what they're doing with the Flash. Again, some of the acting can be overhanded, a little hammy. Uh, They're all CW preteen or postteen, early 20s, attractive people. We're on the CW. What do you want? Uh, But I really liked how Barry Allen came out on this episode. Definitely looking forward to seeing the next episode, which is episode nine. After a fight with Cyrus Gold that was his name, Cyrus Gold aka the Accolades who in the comics becomes Solomon Grundy Oliver is drugged and left for dead. Determined to cure him, Felicity makes a risky decision. The cure causes Oliver to hallucinate and what he sees forces him to confront his past. Meanwhile, Barry Allen continues to help Felicity and their connection grows stronger. The arrow asks Quentin to look, look into Gold, but when the stakeout on Gold goes bad, someone is killed. Roy is captured and tortured by Brother Blood. Once again, my thoughts on the episode. Uh, This episode opens with Barry, Diggle, and Felicity trying to help out Oliver. Barry, at this point, discovers that Oliver's blood is clotting up, kind of like maple syrup. Makes a risky decision. Barry injects Oliver with rat poison to try to help Oliver, the blood thin out a little bit so it flows through his body which causes Oliver to hallucinate. He sees Shadow, who died back on the island, asking him to stay with her. Oliver finally comes to and finds out that Barry now knows his secret, and he's upset because he wasn't consulted before giving it out. Barry, meanwhile, uses his smarts, his intelligence, to find a way to get Grundy's fingerprints. Well, they never call him Solomon Grundy. That's who he is, by God. I don't care what you say. Oliver goes home, with his sister who has locked herself in the room with a wound, wounded Roy from when the arrow shot him last episode. Oliver helps pull the arrow from Roy's leg and tells him he'll send someone to assist who as he calls Diggle to bring the first aid kit. When Roy thanks him, he says, it's the least I can do. um, Since you shot him, yeah, it's the least you can do, Ollie. Jeez, what a prince. This is the least I can do. Some people. Anyways, again, we Oliver sees Shadow who we're supposed to think is dead from all our comments, roaming around his mansion. They have a conversation where Shadow tells him to pet their bit od- down the bow and to live his life, where everybody knows will die. Ollie's sister comes in while he's in mid elucidation asking who he's talking to. Once again, cue the flashback. Ivo, Professor Ivo and his people capture Ollie. I'm sorry, on the show, it's Dr. Ivo. Captures Ollie, his friends and the drugs, and then walks him out into the woods. will gives all over the choice of who lives or dies, Shadow or his girlfriend, Sarah. If he doesn't decide, I will shoot them both. Back in the present, Brother Blood and Grundy are talking about the drug that Blood is producing to help him take over the city. Meanwhile, Barry's geeking out, actually knowing Arrow and seeing his, his costume and his arrows and everything. And Diggle tells him that he's actually preferred to be called Arrow now instead of the hood or mask or whatever the hell they were calling him the first season. Barry finds out that Oliver did indeed train on an island. He then inquires why Oliver doesn't wear a mask. Ollie says he needs a mask to hide his identity, but doesn't impede his vision, and most masks would do that. And that's why he uses a face paint instead of a mask. Uh, Barry and Felicity discover that Oliver is fighting Cyrus Gold and where he's staying at. Uh, Then we cut to Thea and Sin going to Laurel, which is the DA, for assistance in finding Sin's friend's killer. Laurel says that she'll do what she can. Uh, This kind of ties in if the Brother Blood is the actual killer. Uh, But we don't find this out at this point. Diggle, with Oliver riding shotgun, goes to Gold's apartment where they discover the old Solomon Solomon Grundy poem born on a Monday Da da, da, da da finally ends up with Died on a Sunday. It symbolizes the seven stages of life. Um, I've always heard that poem, I mean, from the old Just League cartoons or Super Friends cartoons, they've mentioned it. I never really realized that it symbolized the stages of life. Uh, Grundy shows up to attack Diggle, and Diggle jumps out of the window to escape, with Ollie driving them away, calling it for backup. Arrow tells Lance to kill Grundy if he comes down to it. So Oliver's called the cops, is called Detective Lance and told him, you know, or Officer Lance, here's where Grundy's at. He's super tough. You may need to kill him. Uh flashback to the island, where Oliver throws himself in front of Sarah. survival so shoots Shadow, who was really good friends of Deathstroke. Back in present, uh, Laura lets Thea and her friends know that the blood is on the up and up. That the blood drive is on the up and up, that uh Uh, Brother Blood's petting on. Uh, Barry and Felicity have a little talk about Felicity's Felicity's feelings towards Oliver. And Barry shows his man crush on Oliver. Uh, He also mentions knowing about having feelings for someone who doesn't give them back. I'm wondering if this is a reference to Iris West. There's another reference to the Accelerator in Central City. Hmm, I wonder if this is going to play a part of anything. Lance is the police department trying to get his men to help him capture Cyrus. Blood's man on the force volunteers to help. Mother well, Blood has an inside man, someone that's spying on the police uh, and helping them out from that angle. We find that Felicity is Jewish because she makes a lighting menorah comment to Barry. Uh, Oliver then sees a vision of Slade Wilson, lances in the Popo, busting where Grundy is, and Grundy basically kicks their ass up and down the building, just whoops them. It's a nice little fight scene. Uh... Well, if we call that a fight, he basically just stomps him. Back to Oliver's vision of Sh- uh, Slade. Slade says Ollie is attempting to atone for his sins, not his own father's. Oliver and Slade have a little tussle. Slade blames Ollie for Shadow's death and then beats him down. Being beat down by a hallucination. Oliver, sorry, try that again. Laurel and Brother Blood are walking on a boardwalk when she gets called call that her father's in the ICU as she's about ready to ask Blood about the blood drive further. Barry tells Oliver that his blood is clean, so any he visions he's having is in his head, not from the drugs. Felicity sees something on her monitors that she alerts Ollie about. I'm assuming it's about the police getting the crap beat out of him. Laurel and Blood meet up again at the hospital, where Blood is checking on Laurel's dad and her. The way he gives a annoying nod to undercover a cop that's also there. Arrow shows up to apologize for Lance and has been getting beat down. Lance asks Arrow to kill Grundy. He also gives Arrow a key he found during the beatdown. Oliver sharpening his arrows, doubting his own self-mental health. He tells Diggle that he's seeing Slade and that it's his fault him and Shadow are dead. Diggle admits, admits that after Afghanistan, he saw ghosts also. He made them go away by seeing what they wanted. Barry and Felicity find out where the key belongs to and tells Ollie to head out Barry and Felicity find where the key belongs to and Oliver heads out to beat someone down after promising Felicity to be back. Roy breaks into Dr. Ivo's office. Well, I'm assuming that's Ivo's office. He steals a file while uh, some goon breaks in and starts pouring on gasoline. Roy escapes, only to be stopped by Grundy. Roy's at Blood's Mercy as he injects all of Roy with a drug as the arrow drops in. Arrow and Grundy fight while blood watches Roy die due to the drug. Tommy Merlin, who is Oliver's friend who dies at the end of last season, comes to Oliver telling him to get up. He tells Oliver that he didn't let him die, that he tried saving Merlin. Tommy, that is. He said that Oliver is a hero and survivor. He needs to get up and fight back. Cue the big fight scene between Oliver and Grundy. Oliver shoots an electrical panel causing it to explode knocking out, possibly killing Grundy while Brother Blood escapes. All he does is CP on Roy, saving his life. Uh, come back to Roy at Queen's Mansion in bed where Thea and Sin come into the room. Roy said he was chasing down a lead that didn't pan out. At this point, we see someone watching a news broadcast of Blood announcing he's running from air. The mystery man tells Blood, who just told him about Arrow destroying his lab, that would give him another sample of his blood. I can tell by this point who it is by his voice. Blood asks the mystery man if he knows who Arrow actually is. Camera slowly pans up the mystery man's face, showing Slade with his eye patch. He says that Arrow was his, Arrow was his friend. Death is too good for Arrow. He's going to, and I quote, tear everything he cares about away from him. They show a, a vision of Lance, uh, Diana Lance. He's going to destroy those who follow him. They cut to an image of Roy. Corrupt those he loves. We see Felicity. Once he has lost everything and everything he values, I'm going to drive an arrow through his eye. We do a flashback to Slade, waking up on the boat, calling out for Shadow. He runs through the wood, killing two guards with his bare hands, where he finds a dead Shadow and Oliver. He holds Shadow close to him, asking why. Sarah that said told him that Ivo shot him, but didn't say anything further. Slade said, whoever did this to her, is going to suffer. Back to Oliver in the present with Diggle and Felicity. He tells them that Roy was ejected and is alive. When Diggle asks about the Cyrus, Oliver responds, Died on a Saturday, buried on a Sunday. He said that someone else is working with gold, making an army. Felicity then tells Oliver that Barry went home to see the particle accelerator. Hmm. Barry calls Felicity and tells her that he was late, so he missed getting to start labs, where the accelerator is at. He then asks her out on a date, basically. He also says he left something for Oliver. Barry's watching a news report of the particle accelerator on the news, while pinning up a new note on his board of who killed Nora Allen, his mother, while we see lightning flashing in the background. Due to the storm, the particle accelerator goes out of control, explodes, unleashing a wave across the city, city energizing things in Barry's lab. Suddenly, Barry is struck by lightning, thrown into his chemicals. Lightning coursing over his body. kicking like a little schoolgirl at this point, I'm telling you. We cut to Oliver opening up the box that Barry left him, showing him his new mask. At the end of the episode, Barry's pulling his hood up, wearing the new mask that that, uh, Barry gave him. Great episode. I personally love Barry's appearance in Arrow. He is supposed to show up again later in the season, but the producers are so happy they decide to instead of going through a backdoor pilot through Arrow, they're gonna give him his own pilot episode and his own series on C, the CW. In the last episodes of the this season of Arrow, they did introduce two new characters, which will be regulars in The Flash. Cisco Ramon and Caitlin Snow. Another geek moment. Cisco in the comics becomes the superhero known as Vibe, while Caitlin Snow becomes the Firestorm villainous Killer Frost. Now, I don't know if their super alter egos are going to show up, but why else use their names unless they're going to do something with it? Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see this fall. For more on The Flash, check out a new podcast called The Flash Podcast, available on iTunes. Currently, The Flash Podcast is talking about any, old, any Flash news that comes up, character profiles on different Cl- Flash characters that may show up on the show. Once the show comes on, Uh, The guy will be covering the weekly episodes of The Flash. Uh, Again, I'm definitely waiting for The Flash to come out this fall. I own the last Flash series from the 90s on DVD. And again, once The Flash comes on, I'm going to be glued to my TV watching it. I just, I can't say how excited I am. I'm about ready to explode from the excitement. Just another couple months. And The Flash will be back on TV. They've had a couple of promo spots for it. They had like a one minute and then a five minute promo. Excellent. I just, uh, I get a stiffy just thinking about it. Now we're into what's in heads long box. I just finished reading the newest DC crossover, Forever Evil. I've glanced at some of the message boards and forums. And while some people don't seem to care for it, me personally, I enjoyed the main story. I wasn't too fond of the bro... The uh, Blight storyline that went along with it, which was contained within Constantine, Pandora, the Phantom Stranger, and a little bit into uh, Just League Dark. Basically, those three characters looking for the Just League Dark team. To me, it seemed like it was another story that they just incorporated into the main Forever Evil storyline. The main story would have made a whole lot more sense and flowed a lot better to me anyways, and faster, without that inclusion. Uh, Forever Evil itself kind of reminded me of some old Silver Age comics. Eh, maybe just me. One of the main differences that tells you this wasn't a Silver Age story, or that it's not in the Silver Age, is that normally in the Silver Age the bad guys would be stopped and they'd be imprisoned by the end of the storyline, or return back to their own dimension. This story, well, it's not the Silver Age anymore, kids. Uh, I'll get into that a little bit later. Before I continue, let me warn you that spoilers for Forever Evil story abound within. If you don't want to be spoiled, if you haven't read that series yet, I suggest you fast forward through this section of my headcast. Forever Evil follows the Exploits of the Crime Syndicate from Earth 3, where they cross over to the regular DC universe, attempting to take it over. They took over their own world, which was then invaded by some mysterious entity, and then was either destroyed or almost destroyed. And now the Crime Syndicate is looking for a new world to conquer and use to stop the entity. The Crime Crime Syndicate, that is, consists of evil versions of our Prime Earth, Justice League. The members they've shown so far is Ultraman, which is Superman. Superwoman, which is, of course, Wonder Woman. Owlman, yes, that's Batman. Johnny Quick, which is their version of The Flash. Power Ring, which is Green Lantern. Deathstorm. Yay, Death Storm, which is uh, their analog of Firestorm. Yeah, buddy, Firestorm. Uh, the Sea King, who is Aquaman, who dies crossing over to our world. So he's not in there very much. Atomica, who is their version, a female version of the Atom. Who, but her, again, the Atom is one of my favorite heroes. And the Outsider, which is their version of Alfred. Plus they have Grid, who's a sentient computer virus, which is a copy of Cyborg. And they've also brought an unknown prisoner with them, who they've kept hooded and identities being kept secret from the reader until the very end. The Crime Syndicate comes to our world and quickly defeats the Justice League. The Justice League's defeat is due to Atomica, who was here previously, before the rest of the Crime Syndicate, and she infiltrated the Justice League by pretending to be the Atom, and then she turned on the team when the Crime Syndicate arrived one thing that she does to stop the justice league she sticks a tiny shred of uh, kryptonite in the superman's brain causing the slow dilate causing him to die slowly also grid was here previously as the cybernetic parts of uh, Silas stone used to turn his son victor into cyborg and of course he once the crime syndicates showed up uh, grid separated from victor and helped the justice or help the crime syndicate Stop the Justice League. So, as the crime syndicate comes, Grid turns off all the power from the major cities, and the villains busted open Iron Heights and Bell Rev prisons. Uh, let me point out something else real quick. Uh, Forever Evil actually starts out with Lex Luthor meeting with Thomas Cord of Cord Industries, trying to buy his company from him. Thomas refuses, saying that it's a family business, and he wants to pass it down to his son. He refuses to sell to Luther. Luther threatens Thomas. They're in a helicopter. Tell me, you know, the so, accidents can happen, man. So Luther threatens Thomas. When all of a sudden the power goes out, the helicopter crashes into LexCorp. LexCorp crawls free and lets basically, Thomas basically fall to his death as the helicopter falls out of the building. Also, Superman sorry, try that again. It's Superwoman and Owlman. They find and they take out Nightwing. And then they call the world's villains to the destroyed Justice League satellite, which is destroyed by Despero in a story right before this one. There they announce their intention to take over the world, and they ask the villains to stand with them. And they chat out the old line of, if you're not with us, you're against us. To prove their claims, they present Superman's cape, Wonder Woman's lasso, and Aquaman's trident, showing that they defeated the Justice League. Also, Grid is able to take over all communications worldwide, and the only signal that's going out is one that says the world is ours, or something to that effect. Ultraman then goes on the TV and announces the Nightwing's true identity as Dick Grayson and says that any heroes that come up against them will have their identity revealed and their families killed. One big difference between Ultraman and our Superman is that Ultraman appears to either eat or absorb somehow kryptonite to power himself, while sunlight affects the kryptonite that's in the cells and hurts and weakens them. To prevent this from happening, he flies to the moon and pushes it in front of the sun to cause a total eclipse. Worldwide. I'm not quite sure if that's possible, but hey, we're doing a flying man and people from an alternate reality. I'm willing to give physics and reality a little bidding room. Besides, Superman used to do that kind of stuff all the time back in the day. Meanwhile, Luther is in the bowels of LexCorp to release a project he's working on, a clone of Superman, which he calls B-Zero. Unfortunately, he's about five years from being all the way cooked, so it's, not, so it's not quite a perfect duplicate of Superman. Kind of a bizarro, if you will. Later the clone will actually start calling himself bizarro. Uh, while this is going on, the Teen Titans show up to fight the crime syndicate. Unfortunately for them, Johnny Quick uses his powers and vibrates Kid Flash, which causes a vortex to open, swallowing the entire Titans team. Uh, regarding the Justice League, at least their title... That title focuses on Stargirl and Martian Manhunter who realize they're in some sort of prison. When a Jason Rush, Jason Rush Ronnie Al... Try that again, kids. When a Jason Rush and Ronnie Raymond Algerman, Algum show up and try to help them out, they find that the rest of the team is stuck in a mental prisons of their own making, using their deepest fears or happiness to keep them where they're at. Now, before I go any further, uh, let me let you know: John, J- John, Jason, Rush, and Ronnie Raymond—they form Firestorm. They merge together and they become the hero Firestorm. Uh, originally, Firestorm was uh, a guy called Professor Martin Stein and Ronnie Raymond, but things have changed. That's one of them. So, back to the Justice League story: Where is the prison that the Justice League's captured at? It's within the Firestorm matrix itself. The same place that John, so why do I keep saying John, Jason and Ronnie normally merge at, the entire Just League is merged into the Firestorm being right now. After Martian Manhunter, Manhunter discovers this, him and Stargirl are able to escape, but in doing so, the Manhunter's mind is trapped within Stargirl. Escaping the mental prison, they find that the villains are running the world, and Stargirl, she's afraid for her family. While Stargirl wants to find her family, the Martian Manhunter feels they need to find Firestorm and save the other heroes in the world. Frustrated with the situation, somehow Stargirl is able to push the Manhunter out of her mind as she rushes off off to save her family, leaving the Manhunter on his own to rescue the combined Justice League and Justice League America from the prison of the Firestorm Matrix. Meanwhile, Batman and Catwoman take what's left of Victor Stone, aka Cyborg, to his dad, and Dr. Thomas Morrow, who before the new 52 reboot was a supervillain, to get him stabilized. Silas and Morrow are able to stabilize Vic, while Batman and Catwoman take off to try to rescue Nightwing and stop the crime syndicate. Vic comes in and convinces his dad... Sorry, try that again in English. Vic comes to. He wakes up and he convinces his dad to use the technology that's hidden technology away to turn him back into Cyborg. Meanwhile, Batman takes Catwoman to the Batcave and shows her a case he has, handing ways to defeat his fellow Justice League members. He takes a lightning rod, which I believe is from the return of Wally West story that actually didn't happen in this continuity, don't ask, a kryptonite ring and a yellow power ring. Again, that's left over from a Green Runner story. And uh, he takes that equipment. About that time, power ring come busting into the room. So he tries to use the yellow ring against Power, power Ring, who uses his, his Power Ring to take the ring off of Batman's finger, saying that a ring can't stop him, until he's knocked on his ass by Sinestro, who wears a yellow Power Ring. Sinestro then chases Power Ring through the sewers until he finally catches up with the Otherworlder and severs his arm, freeing Harold Jordan from the curse of his Power Ring. The ring takes off, tries to find a new host. Harold Jordan dies, thanking Sinestro for freeing him from this Power ring curse. Meanwhile, with the crime syndicate, Superwoman has told both Owlman and Ultraman, individually of course, that they are each father to the baby she's carrying. She's also informed Ultraman that Owlman is plotting against them. Ultraman is currently having Deathstorm try to figure out how to create kryptonite, like our our Firestorm can do. And that's why he's a badass, because he can create Kryptonite. He can take out Superman if he wants to. Uh, Also, Ultraman and Superwoman go to the Batcave, looking for the Kryptonite ring, so Ultraman can absorb it, not knowing that Batman's already taken it and left. Grid then contacts the duo, and informs them of Grid's death. Try that again. Grid contacts the duo and lets them know of Power Ring's death. I wrote down Grid for some reason, but it's Power Ring that died. And he lets them know that the Ring is off looking for a new host. Unfortunately, the Ring also sent out an energy pulse across the multiverse. Uh, Ultraman realizes that this may alert the entity they're running from where they went. So he orders the team to gather back to Maine at the remains of the satellite uh, headquarters. Batman, Luther, and a team of villains working with them arrive at the watchtower and start searching for Dick Grayson and the crime syndicate. Grid informs the Outsider of the intrusion, who decides to go guard their mysterious prisoner instead of going to Grayson, disobeying Man's orders. Black Manna, who is with Batman's groups of villains, finds and kills the Outsider. Batman, Luther, and Catwoman finally find Dick Grayson, who is being held in a device called the Murder Machine that was originally intended and designed to hold Doomsday. They discover that the machine has been hooked up to Dick's heart with a countdown. The only thing that will stop the countdown is if Dick's heart stops. Oh, as a bomb will go off destroying them all. Finally, the crime syndicate arrives at the watchtower, and they fight Sinestro, Destroke, and Black Adam. While that's going on, Captain Adam and Black Manta have discovered that the hooded prisoner and removed the hood revealing a red-headed, bearded man whose mouth is taped. As they remove the tape to question him, Johnny Quick and Atomica arrive. Captain Gunn turns, he tussles briefly with Johnny Quick, and he uses his freeze gun to freeze Johnny's leg, and then he kicks and shatters it, crippling him. Uh, Back on the murder machine, Luther puts his hand over Dick's mouth. It looks like he's suffocating and killing him. As Dick dies, Batman grabs Luther and just starts beating the crap out of him outraged that Luther has killed his friend, while Luther is telling him that he has everything under control. It's part of his plan to knock it off. While this is going on, we cut back to the prisoner, who reveals himself as Alexander Luther, the Earth-3 version of our Lex Luther, of course, and yells out, M-A-Z-A-H-S. Mazaj. I'm assuming? Accessing the Dark Lightning, becoming Mazaj, and killing the injured Johnny Quick and stealing his power. Yes, Alexander Luther becomes Earth Three's version of Shazam, and whenever he kills somebody, he can absorb their powers and their abilities. Uh, real quick, in some of the side stories, uh, we see such as let me see, as the Forever Evil Argus, we see Steve Trevor fighting Cheetah to get Wonder Woman's lasso, which he believes can be used to free the Justice League from Firestorm. Again, it was like a four, five, six-issue series that I thought was incredibly too long, and it could have been told in a smaller chunk, I think. Uh, basically, it was just Steve Trevor getting the lasso from Cheetah to help free the Justice League, because uh, he believes that'll help. In the Justice League of America title, uh, they talk. that's where we talk about Stargirl and Marshall Manhunter's escape from earlier. Uh, at the very end of that story, we find out that Martian Manhunter didn't actually die. The entire story turned out to be filler also, in my opinion, as nothing really of importance was discovered that we couldn't find out elsewhere. Uh, Don't get me wrong, the story itself was good enough and it had great art, but overall, it could have been left out with no real bearing on the forever evil main story arc. Again, I think it's part of DC's uh, comics in general, uh, taking stories that back in the day used to last one or two issues, And they extend them out the last six issues just to get more money from people, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to really touch on any of those side stories, as again, most of them are really unneeded, in my opinion. And they didn't advance the main story. Uh, There was the Forever Evil Rogues Rebellion telling how Captain Cold got separated from the rest of the rogues before he joined up with Luther. But other than that, the rest of the story just deals with the rogues running from the crime syndicate, which you really don't need to read. Uh, personally, I didn't care for the art through that series either. Maybe it's just me. Uh, this all leads us into the final issue of Forever Evil. It starts with Lex well, Luthor reviving Dick, having only momentarily stopped his heart, stopped the bomb. He tells Batman he was actually slipping a uh, a pill or something into Dick that would make it seem like his heart stopped. Uh, I think he's full of BS myself, but at this time, Cyborg has shown up holding Wonder Woman's lasso, which he gives to Batman and Batman uses that to free the Justice League from the Firestorm Matrix. Wonder Woman reveals to her associates, sorry, I wrote down Wonder Woman, but it's actually Superwoman, reveals to her associates that Alexander Luther, Mazaj, is actually the baby daddy. Mazaj goes on to kill and destroy Deathstorm, which kind of bummed me out. I like Deathstorm. He looked really cool. And taking his powers. And then he turns and kills Bizarro, then Mazaz pins Luther to the ground and starts gloating about how Alexander is stronger than Lex Luthor. How everyone on their world is a lot stronger than our world, and that's why our world is doomed. Luther smiles as he stabs the villain with the lightning rod from earlier and says, Mazaz. Having the same voice as Alexander, he's able to call the lightning to change Mazaz back into Alexander. And then Luther proceeds to make stabby stabby on him. And he says um, along the lines of, Yeah, you may be stronger but I'm smarter. Lex then has to do with Ultraman attacking him. Fortunately, Black Adam and Sinestro are able to push the moon back into normal orbit, letting the sunshine strike the Earth, weakening Ultraman. Luther refuses to kill Ultraman, though, letting the heroes take him into custody. As he walks away from his defeated foe, Luther discovers Atomica crawling from some wreckage, looking for her beloved Johnny Quick, not knowing that he died already. Without blinking an eye, he steps on her, squashing her like a bug as the controls on her suit is shorted out and she can't go back to normal size. Uh, wrapping up the storyline, the hero freed from their prison, find out that Superman is still dying. He still has that piece of kryptonite shoved in his brain. The Atom hasn't actually shown up in the new DC universe yet. We had Atomica claiming to be the Atom, but the Ray Palmer Atom... Hasn't made an appear. Uh, he's appeared, but not as the atom. Ray Palmer is elsewhere doing sciency stuff. So, Superman's dying. He's got kryptonite in his brain. They don't know what to do. Luther shows up and volunteers to remove the kryptonite. So he surgically removes the kryptonite shard from Superman's brain, saving the man of steel. Ultraman and Wonder Woman... Yeah, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman are captured... And they're either unwilling or unable to tell the heroes about the entity that they're running from. Alman has escaped and is on the run. And the rest of the uh, criminal crime syndicate, as I said, was killed. Uh, we find out that Lex Luthor is recreating Bizarro. And also, he's deduced Batman's secret identity of Bruce Wayne. Dun-dun-dun! Also, Lex talks of Ted Cord. Yeah, Ted, I love the Blue Beetle. Uh... And he talks him to running his father's company, Court Industries, that I mentioned at the top of the section. His dad comes in and says, I'm willing to sell to you, Luther. I I'm, I'm a, i don't want to do it. Luther tells him, I've seen how smart you are. Or I've seen some of the miniaturized uh, creatures you've made, which is a reference to his stuff, the Blue Beetle, and says, you know, your dad wants you to do this. Run the company. I'll be here to help you. Which shows that Luther is, I don't know, matured, has, has broadened a little bit, and become not quite such a dick. Um, meanwhile, at the end of the story, you find out that Superman believes the crime syndicate was running from Darkseid, who was the reason the original The Justice League formed in our universe, and that Darkseid must be coming back. We cut to Earth-3, where we find that actually it was the Anti-Monitor who was destroying worlds, trying to get enough power to take out Darkseid. Which to me reads as a possible lead to a new Crisis on Infinite Earth or to Grant Morrison's upcoming Multiversity, or possibly something completely different. But I'm excited. It sounds great. I, I like the return of the anime Monitor in the New 52. I want to see how this works out. I'm liking it. Uh, again, seeing how I was waiting for the story to finish before I read the whole thing, I've been avoiding reviews and spoilers for it, so I'm not entirely certain how it's being accepted by the fans. I read a few things here and there that people seem not to like it, but I'm not 100% certain on that. Um, Some people was complaining about the ending. Again, I avoided that because I wanted to read it for myself. Uh, Me personally, except for the Blight portion and some of the ins I mentioned earlier, I enjoyed it. The Forever Evil, I recommend. I give it two thumbs up. It fills me with joy reading a storyline. Comics haven't really done it in a while. I I was eager to read it. I'm like, I, I just can't wait to read the next portion. And I haven't really felt like to have comics in a while. Either Marvel or DC has just been kind of, eh. I'm reading them still. I'm, I'm addicted to comics, but yeah, I just this one filled me with like, pleasure like it did back in the 80s, early 90s, back to some good stories. Uh, we'll see if that joyous feeling continues as DC fo- follows up on this storyline, or if DC screws up like usual. Writing-wise, I enjoyed the more majority of Forever Evil. As I said previously... Most of the side stories, I could have done without. The main story was presented complete throughout Forever Evil. Uh, for the most part, without the additional stories. Just were or two little things here they could have tied in a little better and you would have had to have the side stories at all. Uh, there was a few things left unclear, such as the lightning rod that Batman had, as the storyline if I'm remembering right, that storyline could have taken place in the New 52 because that re- brought back Wally West from the Dead who hasn't been introduced at this point in the comics. In fact, after this storyline, they're introducing a young black Wally West who isn't The Flash yet, so we'll have to see what happens there. Um, uh, like I said, I like the introduction of Alexander Luther in the new continuity. Uh, the only problem, and just my little nitpick, is that Alexander Luther was originally the only hero of Earth 3. Here, he was, yes, he was fighting the Chrome Syndicate, but he didn't come off very heroic-like. So, I don't know. It it wasn't bad. It's just a little different. I I don't know. I did like them and Superwoman getting together, though, because, again, in the original continuity before the Crisis, or during the Crisis, (coughs) Alexander and Lois, who is Superwoman here, had a child together who was a major player in the Crisis on Infinite Earths, called Alexander Luther Jr. Like I said to me, the story was really good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I couldn't wait to read the next issue. When Alexander showed up, I smiled like an idiot. Again, one of the best parts to me was when Ted Cord showed up, reintroducing him in the '52. I hope they have him become the Blue Beetle, and DC doesn't screw him up. I've never really cared for the current uh, Blue Beetle, Jamie Reyes. It just, I it just didn't do it for me. I enjoyed Blue, Blue Beetle. The Ted Cord Blue Beetle was my Blue Beetle. So, and I know how you know a lot of older fans feel about when their character's replaced, and that's basically what it is. I just couldn't get into Jaime Reyes. Ted Court Ted has always been and always will be my Blue Beetle. In fact, he's on my list of favorite heroes. As for the art, overall, for the Forever Evil and the Just League titles, I thought it was magnificent. Fantastic art. David Finch did the artwork on Forever Evil, and he did a superb job on the entire series. I could, I could look at his artwork all day long. I love Finch's artwork. I could spend all day waxing this car as it's over on the Fire and Water podcast. But it's just basically saying the same things. Fantastic art. The art in the side stories was anywhere from, eh, to pretty good. But I don't think it was as good as Forever Evil. Except for maybe the Justice League and the Justice League America titles, who had pretty good art also. So that that's my review and summary of Forever Evil from DC Comics. Uh, I'm curious, what do you guys think? What do you guys think of Forever Evil? Let me know by emailing Forever at headspeaks.com. Again, Forever Evil at headspeaks.com. But that's it for now. For uh, what? That's that's it for Watson Head's long box for this episode. Next, we have where's Head going? As I mentioned in my intro, so we'll start there. The first website I'm going to recommend is fark.com. That's F-A-R-K.com. F-A-R-K dot com. FARC is a news site, and I use that term loosely. People with odd or demented sense of humor submit links to FARC, to actual news stories, and they usually give us some sort of interesting, clever, or funny headline. Uh, let me go ahead and pull up my browser, and let me give you a couple of today's uh, Fark's postings, just so you can see what I'm referring to. Uh, at Fark.com. dot com, let's go through and read off a couple of these headlines here. Uh, There you go. From the New York Post, they've marked this one as strange. Having solved all other problems, New York bans posing for photos while hugging tigers. Uh, Another one from a website called Caller, which has been marked as sick. Mass graves discovered in Desert hellhole, known for its religious extremists. Is it A, Iraq, B, Syria, or C, Texas? And in these kind of headlines, it's always C, just so you know. Another one. Fox 12 uh, website marked as miscellaneous. The headline reads, Dammit Otis, don't put the hot air balloon down in the prison parking lot. How am I Lex Luthor, the greatest criminal mind to escape if you put it down in the parking lot? I thought that was pretty good. That made me laugh. Anyways, that's that's a sample of FARC. Uh, so on the main, FARC main page, you have a link to the article. You have... Their little, whether it's stupid, amusing, dumbass, whatever their little tag for it is. Uh, You have the submitter's clever and sometimes not so clever headline. And then you have a little link to the comment section of FARC's where readers comment on the article and other topics that may come up or on the submitter's inability to understand irony. Go ahead and take a look at FARC and read through some of the stories marked irony for further explanation on that. Also, as a subpage for Fark, there is foobies.com, where submitters link to porn sites on the inner tubes. It's usually light porn, like boobies, nothing really major usually, but it's decent. And that's for the people who too lazy to search for their own porn. And that's it. That's where heads go in today. Fark.com. I recommend it. Check it out. Enjoy. Stay a while. Tell a friend. Now, I guess our show's done for today. So uh, go ahead and I want you to stay tuned after our credits for our end song today. All right. And again, if you have any suggestions or anything, feel free to email me at HeadSpeaks.com. And uh, let's go ahead and roll those final credits, brotherhead. And thank you for listening to another great episode of Head Speaks. Be sure to look for me on the web. I can be found rambling on the Task Force X Headcast. Where I cover all the appearances of the Ostrangers, Suicide Squad, and the Checkmate comic books from the late 80s, early 90s. My home on the intertubes is my official website at headspeaks.com, h-e-a-d-s-p-e-a-k-s.com. Links to my blog, which contain follow-up information to this and every Headcast, can be found there. I am on Facebook at HeadSpeaks, the community, not the page. The, the community or the page of somebody else. On Google Plus look for Head Speaks. Please feel free to email me your bitches, moans and gripes to HeadSpeaks at headspeaks.com. Also feel free to email any compliments you have also. In the meantime, be sure to join us here next time for another fun filled headcast from your friendly neighborhood brother Head. And be sure to tell a friend. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny pages. And there you go. That was a fantastic episode, premiere, inaugural episode of Ed Speaks. Now, from ending song, in, edic- in dedication to the News and My Wife's pregnancy, I present you A Better Version of You by Paul and Storm. If you can, find their albums, buy them. These guys are great. I love them. Uh, they've appeared on the radio show called The Bob and Tom Show regularly. Uh, I-, I can't recommend Paul and Storm enough. They're, they're hilarious comedians. Uh, songwriters. Check them out. Buy their albums. Look for them on YouTube. Uh, I can't recommend them enough. Go for it, man. What are we waiting for? Anyways, without further ado, here is A Better Version of You by Paul and Storm.
2: Hey, little man, get up out of bed. I fall asleep from those eyes I know that it's late But we just couldn't wait To tell you our big new surprise Remember that night about three months ago When you walked into Mom and Dad's room And then how we talked of the birds and the bees And arousal and climax and wombs Well, six months from now You'll be a big brother! That's right, little tiger, it's true! Mommy and Daddy are making A better version of you! It might be a boy Just like his older brother But without the flaws holding you down lucky, we could have a girl like we wanted the first time around. Maybe this new person won't wet the bed, or bug us for candy and toys. toys. I bet the new you will shut up when we tell them, and not make so much goddamn noise. Thanks to the five years we've had you to practice on, now we know what not to do. and Daddy are making a better version of you. And he will be famous, and he will be special, and you get to watch. It's a lot for a five year old boy to take in, but we know that you're brave. That you give to him all of your love and your bedroom and all of your stuff. It's not a replacement, it's more like an upgrade. It's our little guy version 2. Mommy and Daddy are making the buns in the oven and baking. Mommy and Daddy are making. A better version of <laughs> you